praise the Lord, praise the Lord, let all God's people praise the Lord, oh, shake off those heavy bands, lift up those heavy hands, let all God's people Praise the Lord. Oh, let's just clap our hands and play. praise Him now. Oh, praise the Lord. Praise the Lord. Let all God's people praise the Lord. Oh, shake off those heavy bands. Lift up those holy hands Let all God's people praise the Lord Oh, let's praise Him now Oh, everybody Praise the Lord Praise the Lord Let all God's people praise the Lord heavy bands lift up those holy hands let all God's people praise the Lord let's sing it one more time now oh praise the Lord praise the Lord let all God's people praise the Lord Lift up those holy hands Let all God's people praise the Lord Hallelujah Amen. How many is glad to be here this evening? I know it's a Wednesday evening, but you know what? It don't make any difference what day of the week it is. Two or three get together, we can have church. He said he'd be here. We're a blessed people. How many's blessed? Let's sing this old song, Matt. I am blessed. I am blessed every day that I live. I am blessed. Oh, I am blessed. I am blessed every day that I live. I am blessed. Oh, when I wake up in the morning. Till I lay my head to rest I am blessed I am blessed Oh, sing that again Oh, I am blessed Yes, I am blessed Every day that I live I am blessed Oh, when I wake up in the morning Till I lay my head to rest I am blessed I am blessed Through the sunshine and rain Even sorrow and pain Jesus still is my comfort and guide And His love comforts me And His grace has set me free And someday 
I shall stand by his side. Oh, I am blessed. I am blessed every day that I live. I am blessed. When I wake up in the morning till I lay my head to rest, I am blessed. I am blessed. I have shoes on my feet and plenty to eat and a home up in heaven by and by. Brothers and sisters on this earth, they are mine through my new birth and will share in that home beyond the sky. Oh, I am blessed. I am blessed every day that I live, I am blessed. When I wake up in the morning till I lay my head to rest, I am blessed, I am blessed. Oh, sing it again. I am blessed, I am blessed every day. That I live, I am blessed When I wake up in the morning Till I lay my head to rest I am blessed I am blessed Hallelujah Oh, victory in Jesus My Savior forever He sought me And He bought me With His redeeming blood He loved me ere I knew Him And all my love is due Him Oh, He plunged me to victory beneath the cleansing flood I heard an old, old story How my Savior came from glory How He gave His life on Calvary To save a wretch like me I heard about His groaning Of His precious blood atoning Then I repented of my sins And won the victory Oh, victory in Jesus My Savior forever Oh, He sought me And bought me With His redeeming blood He loved me ere I knew Him And all my love is to Him He plunged me to victory beneath the cleansing flood. Oh, I heard about
about his healing of his cleansing power revealing how he made the lame to walk again and he calls the blind to see and then I cried dear Jesus come and heal my broken spirit and somehow Jesus came and brought to me the victory how many's got the victory oh victory Jesus, my Savior forever. Oh, He sought me and He bought me with His redeeming blood. He loved me, I knew Him, and all my love is due Him. Oh, he plunged me to victory beneath the cleansing. Oh, sing it one more time now. Oh, it's victory in Jesus, my Savior forever. Oh, he sought me and he bought me with his redeeming blood he loved me and i knew him and all my love is due him oh he plunged me to victory beneath the cleansing flood oh hallelujah oh aren't you thankful for the victory amen are you thankful for the victory amen i'm thankful for this amen corner up here in the front too these guys they're just blessing me this evening i just singing this song earlier today um born again free from sin i'm happy night and day We'll try to be flat, and if it's wrong, we'll we'll get it flat. <clears throat> I just was so excited thinking about this song, "Born Again," and and what that really what that really means to me. Knowing what a wretch that I was, and what I can even be, you know. I I told Matt I just uh, they asked me to lead the the service this evening, and I thought of all the days. Of all the days, what I had went through today, I didn't even feel worthy to walk through those doors back there. Anybody ever have that time when you're out on the road and it seems like that everybody's got a lot less cognitive abilities than what you got? It's one of them days today. But I'm thankful for His mercy. I'm thankful He really knows my my true heart's desire. And I'm thankful to Brother Jim. Jeremy, to be born again, I am just so kind. I'm so happy to be here. Let's sing this song. Oh, I am born again, free from sin. I'm happy night and day. Yes, I am. Oh, it makes me shout. Oh, there's no doubt. I know that I've been born again. 
Oh, now many times along the way my faith has grown weak when burdens seem to rise on every hand. Oh, but then I steal away in prayer. He answers my plea, my every need He understands. Oh, I am born again, oh, free from sin. I'm happy night and day. Oh, it makes me shout, oh, there's no doubt, I know that I am born again. Oh, Satan tells me that I only thought I got saved, he tells me what a fool I have been, hallelujah. Oh, but when my mind goes back to that old place where I prayed, I know that I've been born again. Oh, I've been born again, free from sin, I'm happy night and day. Oh, it makes me shout, oh, there's no doubt, I know that I am born again. Let's sing that third one again. Oh, Satan tells me that I only thought I got saved. He tells me what a fool I have been. Oh, but when my mind goes back to that old place where I prayed, I know that I've been born again. Oh, I've been born again. Free from sin, I'm happy night and day. Oh, it makes me shout, oh, there's no doubt, I know that I am born again. Oh, I'm glad I'm born again, I'm free from sin, I'm happy night and day. Oh, it makes me shout, oh, there's no doubt, I know that I am born again. Amen. Give the Lord a hand. Amen. Whenever you realize that you're born again and free from sin, and you can sing this with confidence too. Oh, yes. Oh, yes, I'm a child of the King, His royal blood now flows in my veins, and I, who was wretched and poor, now can sing praise God praise God I'm a child of the King once I was clothed in the rags of my sin Wretched and poor, lost and lonely within. 
but with wondrous compassion the king of all kings oh in pity and love took me under his wings now sing this now I'm a child with a heavenly hallelujah my holy father has made me his own do you understand what that is and I'm am cleansed by his blood and clothed in his love and someday I'm gonna sing hallelujah with the angels above oh yes oh yes I'm a child of the King his royal blood now flows in my veins and I who was wretched and poor now can sing praise God praise God I'm a child of the King oh yes Oh yes, I'm a child of the King, His royal blood now flows through my veins, and I was wretched and bound now can sing praise God praise God say it again praise God praise God oh praise God praise God I'm a child of the King I'm so thankful to be a child of the King. Amen. Brother Matt, if you'd play that song, there is none like you. Don't take these prayer requests before the Lord. We want to, uh, there's a lady that uh, works with uh, Brother David Whitlock. Her cousin has stage four cancer, and they have asked that we remember them in prayer. Uh, we want to remember uh, my mother, Sister Shirley Buchanan. She's sick. Also, uh, Amber is homesick as well continue to uh, remember my wife still dealing with the uh, back issue um, we want to continue to remember sister cherry holly uh, we've been asked to uh, remember uh, brother uh, burley as he's uh, facing his surgery also sister danielle swafford is going to be having surgery we want to uh, remember uh, uh, brother jeremy uh, as, it, as it works, not with us today. Um, we want to remember the preachers who are traveling in uh, Washington, D.C. 
We want to remember the Reynolds who are also uh, away and traveling. We want to uh, remember the wards that will be leaving tomorrow heading to Arkansas. And uh, we want to remember uh, Brother Andy Irish who is not here with us this evening. He's having to deal with the water issue at home. I know there's uh, many unspoken needs among us. Amen. I'd like to ask Brother Chris if you could if you could uh, lead us to the Lord in prayer. Let's just sing this song as he comes. There is none like you. No one else can touch my heart like you do. And I could search for all the Eternity, Lord, and find there is none like you. Let's pray. Dear Jesus, we thank you once again for this opportunity that we have to come into your house. Lord, to set aside some time to get away from the world, get away from work. Just think on things concerning you, Lord, to draw a little bit closer to you. Lord, we've heard the needs that have been brought before the assembly, or those that are sick, and those that have to work, those that are going to be traveling. Lord, we just ask that you would be with each need, meet them according to your will, Lord. Lord, we ask that you'd be with the Brother Barry this evening as he brings the word. Lord, speak through him and... Just touch each one of our hearts, Lord. Draw us a little bit closer to you tonight as our desire. Lord, we ask these things in Jesus Christ's name. Amen. Amen. We'll just have our ushers come at this time. Sorry to keep you all standing so long. We'll just go ahead and turn the service over to, to Brother Barry. If the ushers will come at this time, we'll receive our evening tithe and offering. Brother Josh, if you'd bless the offering for us. As Brother Barry comes, let's sing that song, Have Your Way. Have your way. Have your way. Feel our hearts and have Father, we thank you for this opportunity in the middle of a week just to pause, Lord, and be able to study your word just for a few moments. Because a few moments in your presence is worth 
all of our labors and all of our time spent doing other things. We covet this time together and ask, Lord Jesus, that you would just speak to us personally now. And Lord, you would challenge our hearts. And Lord, may we leave here better people than when we came. We love you and we thank you for all you provide. You're still Jehovah Jireh. Forgive us of our mistakes, Lord, and there are many. And times when we give in to temptation, times, Lord, when we subtly rebel. Lord Jesus, I pray you look at us through the blood of Calvary's cross. May we mean it, because that's when it really counts in your heart. Father, I pray now that you would just take control of this assembly, many needs that are represented among us. Father, we just ask that you would just bless the reading of the word and quicken it to our hearts. In Jesus' lovely name we pray. Amen. And amen. Take your Bibles, if you don't mind. We'll look directly in the word in John chapter 1. God bless you all. We welcome all of you here this evening. And um, good to have all of you in the house of the Lord today. The Harwells are not here. Almost all of them are not here. Uh, the Stevenses are not here. They were away in Georgia for Mother's Day week. And then uh, we're also remembering the Rowan family, David and Linda Rowan, who lost their son. Uh, I was with him yesterday just for a few moments. And... Um, just a tragic loss of their uh, only son, only child, and uh, in a car accident. So they're going through the process of uh, dealing with all of that. John chapter 1, we'd like to read beginning at verse 4. In him was life, and the life was the light of men. His life was the light of men. And the light shineth in darkness, and the darkness comprehended it not. And there was a man sent from God whose name was John. The same came for a witness to bear witness of the light that all men through him might believe. He was not that light, but was sent to bear witness of that light. That was the true light which lighteth every man that cometh into the world. And he was in the world, and the world was made by him, and the world knew him not. May God add his blessing. You may be seated. We're going to come back to that, but let's make a couple of quick announcements here. Uh, next Wednesday night, Brother Diggs will be with us, and then Brother Chris Take from Arizona or from Nebraska will be here uh, for service on Sunday, and uh, a couple of others uh, that we've listed here on the screen. A couple of other events. I wanted to sh- just show you this here because this was today uh, in Malawi, and we had uh, three tractor trailers that were being unloaded today uh, there, and uh, there were about 2,400 pallets. And yes, it was pallets. Somebody uh, asked about that, and uh, 2,400 pallets of books, and uh, the the companies over there, uh, if you're a day late in emptying these trucks, they start charging you uh, 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 funds for storage, and this storage becomes quite large when you're talking about three uh, three tractor trailers. So Brother Precious got his church people. Uh, to take the day, and they started early this morning, and they took half the church and put it at the, at the, at the terminal where the trucks were parked. And they loaded, all, they unloaded all those trailers and put them onto the, our blue truck and ran that back to the church, or the, where, and that's where the warehouse is. 
And then the other half of the church was at the warehouse, and they were unloading. And then they'd run the truck back, and they'd do it again. And they brought it to the warehouse and ran it back again and ran it back to the warehouse. So they got it done. It was just amazing. They got it done. And uh, uh, I can assure you that all of this was done without air conditioning. Uh, absolutely, absolutely for sure. But uh, they were uh, very uh, tireless today in getting their work done, and uh, that's, that's just a lot of material. That's going all over the place in, in that part of the world. So they're all really excited about that. All right. Now, I wanted to mention something to you here about uh, the rise of unions. This may not seem like it's important to you, but Brother Benham years ago made a statement in, C, in the COD book that always, always puzzled me. I could never figure it out until this week. And uh, there are times when, uh, you know, Brother Branham will say something and we may not be able to place it just, uh, just as we're reading it, but I will tell you something that uh, very few things uh, that he said, um, especially that he would have said, thus saith the Lord, he, he, he would not have said casually. And so let me just lay the foundation for that, that statement here. Uh, in the junction of time in 1956, Brother Branham talked about this religious side of unions. And he said, uh, Nimrod went out and built the big city of Babylon and confederated all around, all around about cities uh, that they'd all confederate together. And this was after the flood. You remember no, Nimrod's uh, motive was protection, right? That was the stated motive that he wanted to have everybody uh, to survive another flood. If God could do it once, God could do it again. Now, he missed the revelation, right? Because God said he wasn't going to do it again. He put the rainbow in the sky so he would not flood the earth again. And there'd be one big city, and that would be Babylon, and how that God despised that federation of world order. How many believe that God loves unity? He absolutely does love unity, but it's got to be the right kind of unity, right? So this is a man-made. This is a hybrid type of unity that uh, Nimrod set about to create. And look at it today, same thing, confederations of labor, men binding themselves together by unions, watch, by different fetters, fetters are chains, or uh, putting somebody in the stocks, or putting a handcuff on somebody, by different fetters, church denomination that winds them all together, breaks down the barrier, breaks down the fellowship between different brethren. Confederation, one of the great signs that God gave in the first destruction, we see it appearing here in the last destruction. So confederation in the wrong way or unionizing or being bound together is a sign that we truly are living in the last days. Okay, so that's why the flag goes up and you, you, you take note of statements like this. Now, I'm a, as you know, I'm a former Catholic. One of the things that the Catholic Church was good at doing was binding people together by fear. And if you don't continue on in the Catholic Church, this is going to happen. And if you don't, uh, you know, attend Mass uh, so many times a year, then your mother will never make it out of purgatory. And so you had this vision of mom hanging over the flames of hell just by a foot, a foot or so and uh, roasting slowly. And I mean, it was, it was always, the fear element was always there. You say, no, they wouldn't do that. They did. Did it very, uh, very thoroughly. So Brother Bram said all of that is a, a sign of the end time. Now, <clears throat> I, I was looking very carefully to find something that was credible uh, to bring to you. And this was a news report uh, that was given, uh, and it talked about the uh, large and growing majority of workers that want 
union representation. So there is not a great deal of people at the moment who are a part of a union, but there's a great or larger and increasing amount of people who want to be there. So this number has jumped now to 68% of workers today would want to be a part of a union. And uh, I can tell you that Amazon spent millions and millions of dollars trying to pay people and put out enough propaganda to make sure it didn't happen in their ranks and it didn't work. This article says that the share of workers who do not but would like to have a union at their workplace is far higher than the share uh, who had union representation in 2021. So this says 11.6%. It's now at 16%. And while more recent data are unavailable, now it is, an analysis of 2017 survey data showed almost half of non-union workers polled, 48%, that's now 68%, said they would vote to create a union in their workplace tomorrow if they could. So we have a very quick rise of the percentage of people in a workplace who would vote today, if they could, to have a union in place. Now you say, well, hey, I thought we came to church, not to social studies. Hold on. That figure is up substantially from about one-third of non-union, non-managerial workers asked similar questions in 1975, blah, blah, blah. So the reference is here. It's one place you can look at it, but you'll find it uh, around. Go to your local uh, Starbucks place. In Sirs, we would see Jesus. Brother Branham, he prays this way. Heavenly Father, as we see, as it was in the days of Sodom, and the shadow, the negative, and the positive coming so close together, uh, till after a while there will be a uniting time. And we see the nations uniting called the United Nations. We see the churches are uniting, ecumenical council uniting with the Vatican. So all these kinds of unions have names for them. And all churches uniting together, believers and unbelievers, and the labor is uniting in labor unions. And Lord, let the church wake up and see that it's a uniting time. So remember now, whenever there's something happening uh, in the spiritual realm, there's something corresponding that's happening in the natural realm. And Satan is an impersonator, isn't he? So forcing all these different types of unions, whether by fear or by, uh, you know, wages or whatever else, uh, it, it is a uniting, uniting season that we live in. And Lord, let the church wake up and see that it's a uniting time, that Jesus is uniting with his church, uh, husband and wife. So here is the statement now that, that I've always pondered on. And this is the question that he was asked. Brother Branham, I belong to a labor union. Is it wrong for a Christian? And the word says, swear not, we must swear to uphold the constitution of the labor union. I have taken no active part since becoming a Christian, but I still pay my dues. Now, I've never been a part of a union. I've worked in companies where there was unions, uh, where there were unions, but I've never actually been a part of one. But a lot of people are very quickly reminded that if they're, if they're not an active part of a union and they don't pay their dues... Uh, the, you know, they're reminded that, hey, you're getting benefits of the union, but you're not contributing. Even if they pay their dues uh, and they don't participate, there's still uh, sometimes a hard feeling that's there. All companies are a little bit different. But watch Brother Branham's answer. This is what's interesting, all right? Because that's a typical dilemma for a worker. Now watch what he says. Pertaining to labor union, he said, you men have labor unions and things, and if you want to work, you have to belong to it. That's exactly right. But watch it. Because it's going to go from labor to religion one of these days. He says, what you want to do is watch it. Not now, 
But watch it. It'll go from labor to work to, to religion. Now, just remember, it's a forerunner of everything becoming unionized. And you can't work. Won't let you on the job. And you're a scab unless you uh, belong to this union. Now, you young people, and that, that, would, that would be us, you young people, remember what Brother Branham's saying. And may my words be grave. Watch the passion. May my words be grave with a, an iron pin in a mountain of steel. Thus saith the Lord, the same thing will happen in religion. You belong to a denomination of sort, or you cannot buy or sell. So be real careful, brother. Let it go just for labor to labor alone. And watch it. It's a warning. So if you have to be a part of a labor union just for work, he says, let it be just for labor alone. But watch it if it develops into something other than that. Now, the whole concept or the whole idea of, uh, you know, having, having your economic clout controlled or cut off is very real, right? Let me say it again. The whole thought or concept of having your economic buying, your, power, your, your buying power or your economic clout or your ability to buy and sell in the marketplace, we know today that can be cut off very quickly. Right? The whole, the whole struggle between Ukraine and Russia uh, has proven that, that uh, the nations of the world actually stepped in and forced Russia uh, you know, uh, uh, to be placed under strict uh, you know, um, uh, what? Sanctions and all the other things that are associated with it. Uh, you know, devaluing the currency and all their uh, foreign currency holdings and all the rest of it and the devaluation of the ruble, all the other things that happened. And it happened remarkably fast. They're still fighting the war, but there's a lot of very unhappy people in, in Russia. And so this idea of having a power control an economy is not far-fetched. And that's what he's telling us here, that we see it now in unions, but watch, he said, I'm telling you, and I'm telling you with this kind of passion, let my words be engraved in a mountain of steel, thus saith the Lord, the same thing will happen in religion. So eventually the religious system is going to close in in such a way that you'll have to be a part of it or you won't be able to interact at all. Now that's not new for the Catholic Church. I can show you back in the time of Martin Luther and prior to Martin Luther where the Pope, all he had to do was to uh, write with, the, with his own signature and he would cut off like if Catawba County didn't uh, agree with something that the Pope had just published or put out or something or made a decree. He could just sign a document. Catawba County would not be able to buy or sell. So if you were a farmer and you had potatoes, you couldn't sell them down in uh, Caldwell County. Couldn't do it. And, and they had, the church wielded that power and did it very, very freely and did it simply to influence people back to the church or force them back to the church. Not for the love of the word, had nothing to do with it. It all had to do with dollars and cents. So this is not a new concept. Or Brother Branham said that you watch this coming back here and he says it labors and labor and things. So in other words, we look at it with a weary eye. And I can, I know in talking to some of you people that are here in management, uh, this is not something that you even want to hear mentioned. But, uh, if it can happen to companies like Starbucks and Amazon and Target today, uh, it can happen. So, Peter gives us this warning here, wherefore gird up the loins of your mind to be sober and hope to the end for the grace that is to be brought unto you at the revelation of Jesus Christ. In the days of the, 
revealing of Christ. There will be all kinds of other things that will manifest and other things that will show. All kinds of darkness will be in place and there will be a great light at the same time. Now, Brother Banner makes this statement here, last one on this subject, the whole of this religion, and this was the worship of Apollo back in the Thyatira age, all right? And, and this was the prevailing uh, uh, worship and the way of uh, worshiping back in, in the time of Thyatira. And so Brother Branham chose this as a reflection of the age itself. He said the hold of this religion, the power of this religion was remarkable. Its formidable, formidable power did not lie exclusively in the realm of mystery. So in other words, the, the fantastic thing about their religion was not based on the word or the mysteries of the hour or the light of the hour. But it lay in the fact that nobody could belong to the guilds, the businesses, which offered the people their living unless they belonged to the temple worship of Apollo. That's amazing. So the church held that power. That you couldn't, uh, they control the guilds, and the guilds were like the, uh, you know, the uh, overseers who ran business and finance and commerce in, a, in an area. So they, they were interested in making sure that the flow of funds didn't get interrupted. So if somebody had another idea about instead of giving money to the church, hey, the church could cut them all flat. And anyone refused to join the idolatrous feasts was barred from these first century unions in order to be a part of the social and commercial life. One had to be a practicing pagan idolater. It was just amazing. And I will tell you that, uh, you know, this, is, this has happened in the past and it can happen again. And I'll tell you it will happen with alarming uh, quickness. It'll happen, it can happen very quickly. And uh, this is just something that Brother Branham's leaving us with, with us here. And, uh, you know, when it comes to unions, I, I always wondered about it because unions were fading, fading, fading in our, in our society. All of a sudden, uh, you know, there's a surge back again. And I will tell you that there are four reasons why it surged back again. And here they are. One is the issue of labor shortages. So there are less people in the workforce, as we all know. And if you don't believe that, go to Cracker Barrel. Number two, Black Lives Matter is the second reason. This is, these are documented reasons as I'm, I'm bringing to you. The third thing is wealth inequality. Because people tend to group together for safety when they see such wealthy people at the top. They feel like the only way, that we're, we're not going to be allowed to buy them, we're not going to be allowed to spend them, but we can band together and create a little bit of safety and a little bit of job security if we get together and have a union because then we'll have bigger clout. And there is a huge disparity in wealth equality today. There's the wealthy are really wealthy and the, the not so wealthy are really not so wealthy. So there's a huge disparity in that. And that fear breeds this whole idea of union. But the more important reason why this is happening altogether is because of what people went through during the pandemic. Believe it or not. And there was a phrase that was used during the pandemic years, 2019, 20, 20, 21, uh, that uh, there were essential workers. And that phrase turned a lot of people. And they said, okay, who is it that determines who's essential and who's not? And if we had a union, we'd be able to react to that designation. We'd be able to respond to that and say, hey, you can't call me a, uh, you know, a non-essential worker and so forth. The union would have the clout to be able to counter that. And so uh, I have said many times before, and I'll say it again, that the COVID uh, experience was not just a physical, biological, pathological issue. 
There were spirits that rode right on top of it. All right, let's move on. And uh, if I, uh, that's just something I just wanted to drop in so you could watch, okay? You're not going to be tested on that at all. Uh, that's just a bonus there, okay? Now, <clears throat> last week in this subject of walking in the light, and this is number five here, uh, we talked a little bit about this whole idea of bias. And bias is that uh, persuasion that a person already has. Uh, you know, their thinking is already kind of made up about something, and they're certainly influenced in certain ways already. And we showed that in Scripture. This is not just uh, sociology again. This is, this is what Scripture says. And the word bias is not in the Bible, but the word partiality is. And uh, favoring one another and, you know, creating a bias. And like James says, if somebody comes into the church and they're wealthy, you know, you don't want to treat that brother with partiality. Everybody's kind of the same. We're all sheep. Uh, on the same level, and we're all sinners saved by grace, right? So, you know, the wealthy don't get priority with God, and they don't get the best seats in the house, and all the rest of that. We're all on the same basis when it comes to the blood of Christ. However, every one of us have biases, and if we had long enough to discuss this, or if we were, if I was gutsy enough to have a questions and answers here tonight, uh, we could discover some of your biases, and I'd have questions to ask to bring out those biases that you have. And you, some of you are looking at me saying, oh, Brother Barry, I'm telling you, you do. Now, one of the more common ones and one of the more important ones that I'm just going to talk about for a minute and then I'm going to go on here uh, is this idea of what's called an anchoring bias. Let me give you a real quick example, all right? So let's just say that I, uh, Joe rolls in the parking lot tonight and he sees over there on my truck there's a for sale sign on the, on the window of my truck. And it says, uh, for sale, Brother Barry's truck. It's obviously sanctified and protected by an angel. So, therefore, it's a great buy, $30,000, all right? And that's what, I, that's what I saw. So Joe looks at that, and he says, oh, man, that's expensive. So he says, I don't think I can afford that. Then he comes back the next week, next Wednesday night, and he looks and there's an X through the 30000 and he sees 20000 there. Whoa, that's cheap. That's cheap for an angel-possessed truck. I'll buy it. I think I'll buy it. Because his first impression was that it was 30000 and that was expensive. Now 20000 is cheap, right? That's his idea. Now, the difference would be if I came down to church once, one Wednesday, and I had a for sale sign in my truck, and uh, it said, you know, an angel rides in this truck, so it's a pretty good buy. Uh, no mechanical failure in it at all, and it's selling for $10,000. Whoa. Joe would say, whoa. Now, that is, that is cheap. That is really good. I consider that. But then I come back the next week. He's going home and he's counting his shekels. He's selling everything that he has and everything his family has. And he's shaving his shekels. But he comes back the next week and he finds that the 10,000's crossed out. And guess what? Now it's 20,000. So he says, eh, no way. That's too expensive. Well, hold on now. The price we arrived at was 20,000, right? But his anchor in the first place was 30, and his anchor in the second place was 10. So the point of reference comes from that first impression that's made. So if the first impression is 10,000, anything above that is more expensive. But he was willing to consider 20,000 to be a good price when it came down from 30, but when it went up from 10, no way. So it depends on what you're introduced to first of all, right? That's the idea. Your bias is formed by what you're introduced to first of all. All right, you ready? 
Lincolnton, he wants the truck first, right? He's got more money than you, Joe, anyway. Now watch this. In Acts chapter 9, Saul, yet breathing out threatenings and slaughter against the disciples of the Lord, went unto the high priest and desired of him letters to Damascus to the synagogues that if he found any of this way, any Christians at all, whether they were men or women, he, just, he would, might bring them bound unto Jerusalem. So that was his thinking. He was biased against Christians. They're all bad. So therefore, if I find any, I'm going to bring him to, uh, to Jerusalem. And as he journeyed, he came near Damascus, and suddenly there shown about him a light. Because change is usually made in light. Revelation comes in the light, not in darkness. It comes in light. And he fell to the earth and heard a voice and so forth. Saul, Saul, why persecutest thou me? So what was God doing? He was breaking through that bias, so that understanding that he had already been given. He'd already been shaped by Gamaliel and his teachers, and he had a certain way of thinking about the Christians. Right? He had a certain way of thinking about Jesus, and he had a certain way of thinking about the disciples, and so God breaks through that with the light and with the voice that speaks to him. Right? Now, in John 9, 39, if you don't mind, take your Bible here. I want you to look at this. I didn't put it all on the screen here, but I want, this is a, uh, to, one of my favorite uh, chapters, chapter 8 and chapter 9 of John here. There's so many lessons that are found in this. But I want you to watch here in John chapter 9. And this is the man who's blind, who's in the temple, and Jesus heals him. And everybody's amazed because everybody knows this man. And he's been blind since birth. And I mean, uh, this is absolutely an incredible miracle. And it's one that is not hidden at all. It's very obvious that this man was actually healed. And so as we come down through the story here, and I don't want to take time to read it all, uh, but if you don't mind, let's go back into verse 18. But the Jews did not believe concerning him that he had been blind. And received his sight until, and received his sight until they called the parents of him that had received his sight. And they asked him, saying, To this, is this your son, who ye say was blind, was born blind? How then doth he now see? And his parents answered and said, We know that this is our son, and that he was born blind, but by what means he now seeth, we know not. Or who hath opened his eyes, we know not. He is of age, ask him, he shall speak for himself. And these words spake his parents, because they feared the Jews. For the Jews had agreed already, that if any man did confess that he was the Christ, he should put him out, they should be put out of the synagogue. And therefore his parents said, he is of age, ask him. So they didn't want to commit to this. But hey, this guy's clearly born blind. Everybody knows it. Everybody's passed him every time they went to church. And now all of a sudden he can see. So they're trying to do whatever they can to cast doubt on this whole experience here. And then again called they the man that was blind and said unto him. So now it's the Pharisees and the man who was healed. Give God the praise. We know that this man is a sinner. And he answered and said, whether he be a sinner or no, I know not. One thing I know, that whereas I was blind, but now I see. And then said they to him again, what did he to thee? How did he open your eyes? And he answered, I have told you already. And he did not hear. Wherefore, uh, would you hear it again? And will you also be his disciples? And then they reviled him and said, Thou art his disciple, but we are Moses' disciples. They've got a, they've got a, their, their mind is made up, right? The law's got to be right. Our way has got to be right. Our view has got to be right. His way has got to be wrong because he doesn't agree with us. So it's got to be wrong. Their mind's already made up. And we know that God spake unto Moses. As for this fellow, we know not from whence he is. And the man answered and said unto them, Why, therein is a marvelous thing, that ye know not from whence he is, and yet he hath opened mine eyes. 
And now we know that God heareth not sinners. But if any man be a worshiper of God and doeth his will, him he heareth. And since the world began, was it not heard that any man opened the eyes of, the, of one that was born blind? And if this man were not of God, he could do nothing. And they answered and said unto him, Thou wast altogether born in sins, and dost thou teach us? They cast him out. In other words, listen, buddy, there's no place here for truth. All right? There's no place here for something that's absolutely correct. Keep that to yourself. We have an idea, and we got our minds made up here. But he's saying, wow, man, if he isn't from God, I mean, that's pretty amazing what he just did. It's kind of like, you remember the, the woman who sent her son off to Bible school? You remember that? And the boy went off to Sunday school and got a word from his mother or his neighbors that his mother was dying. And so he comes back to the house and uh, she had, had had a born-again experience while he was away at college. And he comes back and, and uh, she, you know, she's, uh, she's uh, testifying about how uh, the, the neighbors had come by and prayed for her and she was healed and doing really well. And, and he said, well, mother now, calm down. What did they say? And they said, well, they prayed the Lord's Prayer. That was part of it. And they, uh, you know, they laid hands on me and so forth. Mother, 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 mother. Don't you know that that portion of Mark 16 is not even inspired in the Lord's Prayer and so forth? And then she started in, praise God, hallelujah. And uh, he said, mother, you got beside yourself. He said, no. Imagine, if they can do that with the uninspired word, imagine what they can do with the inspired word. Because she's, she's, she's experienced healing herself. Brother Bram tells that story many times. So uh, this is the same idea that he's saying that, wow, you know, you're, you're making this impossible that uh, he could have done that and be, uh, you know, the, the healer, the Messiah. But, you know, praise God, it happened anyway. And if he can do that being who you say he was, I mean, this is just really incredible. So... Anyway, let's, let's just, if you don't mind, we're almost there. Let's just finish it because this is where it really gets uh, a, a teaching moment, if you like. So they cast him out in verse 34. They actually put him out. If you're going to be like that, we're going to put you out. Jesus heard that they had cast him out. Jesus loves the outcast. And when he had found him, he said unto him, Dost thou believe on the Son of God? And he answered and said, Who is he, Lord, that I might believe on him? And Jesus said unto him, Thou hast both seen him, and it is he that talketh with thee. And he said, Lord, I believe. And he worshipped him. And Jesus said, For judgment I am come into this world, that they which see not might see. So I am come to make that possible. You know why? Because he was the true light, as we read in our text, right? He was the true light, and John introduced him. That they which... Uh, see not might see, and that they which see might be made blind. So in other words, they're seeing through their own filter. They're seeing with their own understanding of things. And what they needed to do was to die to their earthly vision. Paul was able to do that on the road to Damascus, but they never died to their own earthly interpretation. Verse 40, And some of the Pharisees which were with him heard these words and said unto him, Are we blind also? And Jesus said unto them, and this is one of the most striking or piercing statements you'll find in the Bible. If ye were blind, you should have no sin. In other words, you'd have an excuse because you couldn't see. But now you say, we see, therefore your sin remaineth. The problem is you've got a filter, you've got a bias, you've got a way of looking at things, and you're not willing to let it go. Now I'll tell you what, God can do great miracles in front of people that are locked into their own point of view. It ain't going to change a thing, unless they're predestinated. 
Let me say it again. People get locked in, and that's why we have so many denominations that didn't crumble in the days of a prophet. We had a prophet in our, in our day. We had a prophet like an under Paul or Moses. We had, hey, folks, we had a prophet in our day who did miracles beyond in number, beyond any other prophet that ever walked on the face of the earth. Elijah did four. Elisha did eight. Elisha did eight. With my fingers the way they are, it could be any number of miracles that he did. And here's a prophet. We have 1147 tapes and all the miracles that were done. It was just absolutely incredible. And we had a prophet that came. Why didn't denominations crumble? Why didn't everybody fall on their face? Why didn't everybody, uh, you know, put, lay down their understanding? And the reason is, is because of predestination. So when God could come to Paul and, and bring the light to him, uh, and his life was the light of men, Paul responded to that because there was something inside him. But when here is Jesus in the temple with all these religious people around him, and he does the same thing. In him was light, and his, his life was the light of men. And he does the same thing. A miracle happens right in front of them. There was no miracle done in Paul uh, in front of Paul on the road to Damascus. But there's a miracle done where everybody knows this man is blind. Now he's not blind. And you can't really argue with that. They're trying to find some sort of a flaw in the whole experience here, but they can't find it. And here's the man now healed, and it doesn't matter to them. Their hearts are still hardened, and off they go. They got their mind made up. That's a, let me tell you, that's a dangerous, terrible place to be in. Now, let's apply this now in our time, because we live in a time, and let me, let me do something that's really hard to do, and that is simplify the book of Revelation into four little segments here. In the first part of the book of Revelation, we have the church ages described. And this is going to be the 2,000 years, right from uh, Ephesus down to Laodicea. And then we have seals that come open. They don't come open chronologically, okay, not this, the ages first, then the seals, because the seals are actually happening through the church ages. But we have trumpets, vials, woes. We have a judgment cycle that we move into and is described in the book of Revelation. And then finally, new heavens and new earth. There's an outcome of all of that. Okay, so there's the book of Revelation in four little packets right there. Hard to do, uh, but that's that's uh, the way I kind of separate them myself. All right? Everybody got it? All right. So the ages then are like specific events with a specific time frame. And in the church age book, if you read it, the Ephesus church age started in, in AD 53 and then went down 170 and then all the way down through. And the only way, I've, I've been to Egypt, I've been to Pharaoh's pyramid, the only way that you can ever know what happens on all sides of the pyramid, how many know the church is like an unto a pyramid? Right? I said, how many know that the church is like an unto a pyramid? Absolutely. So therefore, uh, we know that the only way you can see all sides, all sides of the pyramid at the same time is when you're standing at the top. And because we live in the capstone era, we had a prophet that came in the very last who looked and saw where all those ages started and ended. So there were specific events, and they were characterized by time. And there were seven messengers, each with a unique message. The seals, however, are like packets of information. They describe things that happen through the ages, and parts of them are even still hidden. So there were things about uh, the seven seals that are not fully revealed yet. They're not fully completed. Brother Bram said the seven seal will roll out right beyond the millennium. And so these are not sequential. They're not, uh, you know, uh, they're, not, they're not happening after the church ages. 
there, as we know, the, the first seal, which deals with the white horse rider that rode in the early church time and so forth. And then there was a beast that rose up to counter that. So the seals are different than the ages, all right? Now, just for your information there, Brother Bram said, now, as much as I hate to say it, this is a day, something like that day. I showed you those two graphics just for a reason. And in this sermon, Watchman, What of the Night, Brother Branham's talking about Isaiah back in Isaiah 21, who is characterized as a watchman. A watchman is a guy who stays awake all night on the wall and watches for an enemy sneaking in in the dark and yells to everybody. And the way that the keeper of the watchman would check, he would go around to all these watchmen on the wall and say, Watchman, What of the Night? And he'd say, All clear on the Western Front and all clear on the Eastern Side. So the watchers would respond to make sure they're not asleep, right? So Brother Branham uses this analogy and goes back in Isaiah 21. That's his text for this sermon here. And he says that Isaiah, a prophet, was like a watchman on the wall. And he was seeing things coming. And he was trying to warn the church, trying to warn Israel. And they didn't take the warning. All right? Now watch what he says. Much as I hate to say it, he said this is a day, something like that day. No matter what you tell the people, they're still going to do what they want to do. What's that? That's a bias, right? Get their mind made up. They're headlong, and they're going to plunge right on, regardless of how much you warn of the coming of the enemy or the approaching of the Lord, good things and bad. They will go just right on, same as they did. They got their minds made up. Does that make sense? So what breaks through that? That's the question. And, and we're on this subject of light, and so this is where... We've come to what breaks, what changes this picture? Or we say it this way. We were in that crowd that were right there when God, I was alive when Brother Branham was on the earth. And God doing great things all over the world didn't phase me at all until I heard a voice. All right. There was lots of people who were in Brother Branham's meetings who brought grandma to be healed. Grandma was healed. Or people came and their older church would have been there, uh, you know, in the tent meeting or whatever else. And they knew those people walking across the platform. Brother Bram says, now you, sir, you, ma'am, I don't know you, and you know I don't know you, and so forth. But the people in the congregation did, because they were all from the same locality, right? Beaumont, Texas wasn't all that big back in that day. So, you know, the, if the first church of Beaumont came out that night and everybody came to hear Brother Branham and he prayed for him, many of those people were known by the congregation in the, or the, the audience that night. So they knew, yeah, man, we've seen him uh, deal with arthritis or diabetes or something for all of his life. That's, that's how we know that guy. That's a, I mean, or that person's been in a wheelchair. That person's been crippled all their life. Brother Branham didn't know, the team didn't know, but the people out there knew. And they would look at that and see those great miracles. And they brought those people to be prayed for because they were hopeless. They had no other hope at all. They had no other place to turn. And they would come and be prayed for. They'd see the miracle and walk out and say, thank God, and go right back to their denominations. Because they saw the sign, didn't hear the voice. They saw the sign, didn't hear the voice. Aren't you glad... That God put something in you, not only to see the sign and appreciate it, but hear the voice and respond to it. And then you let that voice work in your life. It'll draw you right into the presence of God. Once you come into the presence of God, you start talking Bible then, right? I want to get baptized. Dad, I want to get baptized. Doesn't matter how young. Doesn't matter how old. We want to, we want to do the things that are all of a sudden biblical, even though you don't know your Bible. Even though we don't really, nobody's taught us the truth of the Bible because just about everybody else in the world is baptized in the name of the Father, Son, and the Holy Ghost. 
But all of a sudden you want to be baptized in the name of the Lord Jesus Christ. Why? Why? It's not because you figured it out. It's because now all of a sudden you're in light. Aha! Aha! I should have called. I was thinking I was going to call this service tonight. Aha! But I didn't want to. All right. So Brother Branham says, there he is with the seven stars in his right hand. The right hand or the right arm signifies power and authority of God. That's a, that's a phrase that signifies power and authority. In the right hand of power, and this is the way it's described in the book of Revelation. Everybody still with me? Amen. There are seven church age messengers. This signifies that the very power and authority of God are behind his messengers to every age. And they go forth in the fire and power of the Holy Ghost with the word. They are stars because they reflect light. So in other words, it's like this. God has seven of them in his hand and he goes like this. And lets them all go. And they roll down as far as the age they're meant to roll down as far to. So Paul went to Ephesus and then uh, Columba and then, uh, you know, all the other messengers all the way down to the last church age messenger. So God lets them go into the earth. He holds them in his hand and he lets them go. They go forth in fire and power. They reflect, the light they reflect is his light. So no matter how far out they are, we're all the way down to Laodicea in a time of darkness and blackness. Here's Brother Branham still reflecting the greatest light that ever was shown to all those messengers. They ref- the light they reflect is his light. They have no light of their own. They kindle not their own fires that men may walk in the light of their sparks. Now, <clears throat> I hope, you, I hope you're, you're catching here, and, and these are all things worth stopping and dwelling on for little bits at least. If what I just said is true, that the light they reflect is his light, then what you learn from this comes from where? God. If you're ever in doubt and the pastor asks you a question you're not sure of answer, just say God or Jesus. You're, you're pretty much, pretty much spot on, okay? I just, just a hint. I, my tests are not hard. I listen to my wife teach, you know, and she's a great, she's a fantastic teacher. I listen to her all the time. I have perfect attendance because her office is right across from mine. So I, I hear her teach every day and I hear her say to her students, she, they're, going, they're doing test prep, and they're going through it. And these are younger kids, and she's saying, now, um, who sailed the ocean in 1492? Columbus. Right. Okay. Now, remember that. You're going to need that. The test is tomorrow, so you're going to need that. Hold on to that. Let's go over it again. Who, who sailed the ocean in 1492? Columbus did. Okay. Remember that. Okay. Hang on to that, because you're going to need that. Okay. I'm thinking... How could you fail? How can you fail? Now, she doesn't do that for everybody. But my point is this. If the light Brother Brandon brought to us, the, the things we see because he was here, if this, is, this statement is true, then it's not because Brother Branham had some great personal wisdom or a really intelligent understanding of things. Or Brother Branham went to a good school. He's just standing there as a, as a messenger, prophet, 
And the word of the Lord comes, the word of the Lord, the word of the Lord comes to him. It's not the word of Brother Branham comes to us. It's the word of the Lord comes to him. And he's just a microphone. He's speaking. Now, that seems really obvious, but you know what? If, if somebody quotes this to you correctly, then what is this? It is the voice of? It's the voice of God. To me, that's a real good reason to become passionate about what you're reading when you take the message of the hour. That's a real good reason for you to, uh, you know, be, be immersed in it. And you, you, don't need, you don't need to be a physicist. You don't need to have, you're not going to get a degree in this. But to me, it's, it, to me, it always has been worth reading and reading carefully. And, uh, you know, I, I, I look at it and I've I got all these cross-references here in scriptures and things that say to tie it to this message and then to other messages as well. Because to me, this is not William Branham. I'm really not that uh, enamored with Brother Branham's own intellect. That's not what excites me about this. What excites me about this is this sentence right here, that the light they reflect is his light. So God wanted, in his shining forth, in his revelation, God wanted us to get something. He chose Brother Branham to shine it through. Does that make sense? All right. You believe that? Seriously, now, come on. This is not just a time to say yes, because you're safe. Better to say yes than no. Do you really believe that this message then is that expressed? Do you believe that really? Then you better be careful what you do with this. Because it would be one thing for you to stand up in front of Brandon Brandon and say, no, you know what, I I don't think it is that way. Or I don't think we still need to do that now. Because it's not Brother Brandon we're going to have to deal with. It isn't. It's whoever, whoever authored this. It's whoever this originates from. It's the real author that you've got you to be concerned about. And the real author knows your heart. The real author is looking at your heart. Uh, even in church, he's looking at your heart when you look at the message. He's looking at your heart when you disregard the message. He's looking at your heart when you obey it. He's looking at your heart when you disobey it. Because he's an author who can know the thoughts and intentions of the heart, right? I don't mean to, I'm not trying to scare you or make anybody feel bad. I'm just saying that this is probably more important than what we, we, we uh, esteem it to be. Like I said to you on Sunday when I was doing the demonstration and I had the, the, the little notebook and I was holding it out, the reason I was holding it out and the reason I believe that Moses referenced what, what it is that God said to him was because God said it to him. If Joe told me that, I'd think, well, I'd try to remember that, you know, but I'll move on. But if God said it to me, my goodness, or if Brother Branham came to you and said, listen, I got something I want you to do for me, and I don't want you to forget it, you'd, you'd lock in, right? I know you would. You'd lock in, and, and you'd listen to what he had to say, and you'd try to get every detail, right? Well, if God came to you and said, I want you to do this, Joe, this is the way I want you to set up church, this is the way I want you to set up worship in, in the house of God. Well, you know, I mean, you'd, wow, what a privilege that he would even ask me, number one. But let me make sure I got it, right? And you'd want to write down, and the, and, and the Lord said unto Moses. And that's what Moses did. He wrote it all down for us so that we wouldn't forget it. Because it wasn't just for Moses, it was for us as well. Guess what? It just wasn't for Brother Branham or Branham Tabernacle. It was for us as well. We are Branham Tabernacle, right? We are, we are the congregation that, that God chose to hear that prophet in the last day. And the word of the Lord didn't come from the prophet. The word of the Lord came to the prophet, and he just reflected through his channel, his vessel, that came from the throne of God, which is where the light comes from in the first place. 
If we don't do anything else, we don't leave here tonight in terms of anything else, you had to realize, wow, I never thought that about unions. And number two, that this message is probably more important than what we're giving credit for. If that's true, if that statement's true, then you know what? All light comes from one source, and that's God. Now, I, I'm, I'm not done here because this is, this is obviously a really important statement here. But like I said, you know, this, this comes down because uh, I will tell you this. I've had no training in the Bible school. I've had no instruction, and I don't study uh, theology, and I don't have, you know, a degree in psychology or anything else. I don't preach that. I don't, I don't uh, do that. I look up words like bias. I wanted to know what bias was because I was finding these words in the Bible here, and then Brother Brandon preaches influence over and over and over again. I'm trying to figure out what this, what this actually all is. So I'm looking for the meanings of words because I love to study words, right? And you know that. So it's not a, it, it's not a, a thing of education, but I'm telling you, here we are down in 2022, and I'm still catching light from that messenger. And if I'm taking that light and faithfully channeling that light to HBT, I don't have the word in book form, but I, at least I got it in PowerPoint form. Then dare I ask the question, where is this light coming from? You say, Brother Barry, are you saying that everything you say is thus saith the Lord? Absolutely not. Absolutely not. But if I speak truth to you, If I speak truth to you, then you have to be responsible for what you do with it. You can sit there and say, well, you know, it doesn't matter. Well, in some cases, you know what? It might. And you're going to have to be pretty discerning. And if you don't understand something or don't agree with something, you all know my, my door is open. I'd be glad to chat with you talk about it because this is how god illuminated all of the church ages for the last two thousand years and it's the same way that he does in the last day so exactly the same thing now watch here's another one of these statements that are like whoa seed is not ever to shuck 1965 watch what he says but at the opening of the seven seals so when he when he launches into this this is when revelation 10 matter of fact let me give you a warning here this is the last screen okay Everybody, I'm going to pull a digs on you. I'm going to finish. This is my last screen. It'll take a half hour. (laughs) But at the opening of the seven seals, Revelation 10 comes into manifestation, comes into bloom. The full word is to be born into manifestation again. Did Martin Luther have the full word? No. Did Wesley have the full word? No. He had a little bit more than Luther, but he didn't have the fullness, right? Pentecost, they had more than those messengers did, but he didn't have the fullness. Did Paul have the fullness? No. Paul says we see through glass darkly, didn't he? So he didn't have the fullness back then. But look at what he says. Here's your time stamp. Bang, on the timeline. At the opening of the seven seals, March 1963, Revelation 10, the full word is to be born into manifestation again and vindicated. Vindication simply means that God helps you understand whether this is coming from God or not. That's what vindication is. It's God's way of helping you recognize this is coming from God. So it's God's proof. It's God's way of showing that this actually was a message from God. So it'll be vindicated. The message will be vindicated itself. And this part of the message will especially be vindicated in the full strength as it was when he, capital H, 
was here on earth. Wow. So in the last day, we're going to have a manifestation of the word of God in full strength, like it was when Jesus was on earth. What was Jesus? He was a living, walking word. The word made flesh and dwelt amongst us, right? All God was, he poured into Christ. That's what happened in that when Jesus was on earth. And he says, in the full strength, as it was when he was on the earth. Everybody still follow me? Almost done. Manifested in the same way. Wow. Signs and wonders. And Jesus said, I only do that which is the Father shows me. Doing the same things that it did when it was here on the earth. Hebrews 13 and 8. Because God doesn't change. If God didn't like money changers in the temple back then, he doesn't like money changers in the table in the church now. Right? If God loved a leper coming back, being healed, and saying thanks to him back then, he would like that now. Because he doesn't change. Right? If God could walk on the water, he could walk on the water now. All of those things would be the same. Now, watch, watch what he goes on and says. In Luke 17:30, Jesus said, In the last day, as it was in the days of Sodom, when the Son of Man will be revealing himself again, it'll be the same thing. So you'll have this manifest, perverted darkness that exists in the world where people don't care. They don't care about God. They want to push God farther, farther and farther away. They, 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 um, they want to make laws to protect Sodom. And, and people who do Sodom practices, they want to legalize it, and they want to normalize it. Um, we, we, see, we see that partly played out in the halls of Congress. We see it partly played out in the Supreme Court. But you see much more of it played out in Disney. Because Disney and movies like Frozen or other movies that are similar uh, to that. <laughs> you kids didn't think I was going there. They're looking at me like, whoa, whoa. Hey, hey, back off. The values they teach are not the values that we grew up with. Now it's, hey, do what you want. Be free. Throw off the shackles of what your parents want you to do. And be free. Go for it. Be, be what you want to be. And, you know, become whatever your dreams are. In other words, the power is within you. The vision is within you. The, uh, you know, the, the, the real you is within you. So, therefore, pursue it. Whatever you want to be. Do you want me to sing the songs that are in the... And so the whole value system of our culture has shifted. It ain't ain't even remotely close to what it used to be. You know why? Because of the last paragraph. It isn't just gay marriage. That's not just it. That's That's a symptom of the problem, right? The problem is, basically, when you come down to the origin of it, you disregard the Bible and you get all kinds of stuff. You got boys thinking they're girls, dressing like girls, dressing, you know, the way they do. And you got girls thinking like they're boys. And, oh, I tell you, I was on the West Coast. I said I wasn't going to say this. I couldn't, I could not, I could not believe it. Oh, I need to stay away from the left coast. Uh, that's it for me. I, I never, Lord willing, I'll never go back to the left coast again. I'll tell you what, it was, I told you I wasn't going to say anything and I'm not going to describe it at all, what I saw, because 
left-leaning people out there. And, you know, it's just, you know, whatever. It's like, how far can I go to shock you? And just when you thought you'd seen it all, you didn't. And I, I just, you know, you're walking through the airports like this. And I, I mean, it's just, it's just nuts. It's, it's not just gay marriage, folks. Uh, it's in daycare centers. It's on Disney. It's, it's a changing value system that ideally, in their mind, ideally affects the young first. And then the young grow up to it as normal. That's a normal way of thinking. And all the positive parenting things and all the other things that are associated with that, uh, it's just absolutely incredibly ridiculous a lot of it is. And, and it comes from a disregard of Scripture. You take the word and you lay it aside, now you're vulnerable to everything that's out there because hell has opened itself. And the spirits abound on the face of the earth. And if you don't believe it, I'll take a service and we'll, we'll, go, we'll, we'll all sing Frozen together or something. You know what that is, don't you? I can tell. Our, our calling is higher than that. But we have to endure living in a world where here we are trying to teach values that are quite countercultural. They're, they're the opposite of the way the world is going. And if you follow that, you're going to be more of an oddball to this world. And people are not going to understand why you don't agree with them, sing with them, have the frozen lunchbox. And have, I'm not just picking on frozen. I just can't remember the other ones that are out there, but there's a whole bunch of them. And, I, you know, it, it, people buy into it hook, line, and sinker, and they're, they're just immersed. And they're just waiting for the next one to come. And they're, you know, they're on top of that. And it's all, it's all designed to influence and it's influencing you not towards the principles that are found in Scripture. It's designed to influence you away from it. And here's Brother Branham saying that in that time, when the greatest of things is happening, the worst of things is happening too. And so we have darkness and light shining at the same time. But he said that the light in this last day, because of the opening of the Word, is here in full strength. So therefore, this is not vague anymore. This is not... I mean, we are without excuse uh, when it comes to actually, you know, real, the realization that there's something great that's gone on. We, we in the message, because we've got all this stuff. We've got the, all the books and the Bibles and every language and every, every uh, way possible to be able to read and enjoy and hear it. That's why we get together on Wednesday night, so we can talk about it. We can review some of these things here. But remember this, that whatever light you enjoy, whatever understanding you have, whatever insight God's given you, it's come because he originated the light, and it went through a candlestick and found you. And God intended for that to happen. Let's stand to our feet. Let's have our musicians come. I love to see those images of the telescopes, you know, the super-duper telescopes that are out in, in the space, Hubble and uh, the new one that's out there. And they actually can capture light um, coming to us from what they say is creation, when those stars were created, and it hasn't reached us yet. It's that far away that it hasn't reached us yet. Imagine that there could be light existing in the world, but it hasn't reached us yet. Wow. You know what I believe? I believe that when Martin Luther and the people who followed Martin Luther were ordained to follow Martin Luther, 
They were in a light that already had reached the earth, but there was more light coming. Hadn't gotten here yet, right? Just like in the cosmos up there, in the, in the atmosphere, there's light on the way to us that we haven't seen yet. It's that far away, we haven't seen it yet. So now they're just picking it up way, way, way off there, and they're realizing there's light on the way that we have never seen yet. And it's kind of hard to grasp. But you know what? I'll say this tonight. I believe that what we have right now is not enough to change our bodies. Because we're still, we're still thinking very naturally, carnally. We still have all kinds of things going on this way. And I believe there's a, I believe there's a, a, a surge coming. I don't believe we're going to get a new message. I don't believe we're going to get a new messenger. But I believe God will allow the light to increase in such a way that we'll drop all of our petty differences. We'll drop all of our carnality. We'll drop all of our other stuff in life. And that'll become so illuminating to us, it'll actually change your body. Not here yet. I believe it'll happen. God knows exactly when it should arrive. Knows exactly when it should arrive. Well, you say, Brother Barry, I think we got it. I think we got it potentially. But we don't have it expressed, because if we had it expressed, we wouldn't be here tonight. If we had it in, in, in working order in our lives, in, and it was here in, in a way working on us in fullness, we'd be gone. But there's got to me, it's got to, we got to step into a greater manifestation, greater light. Hey, the message to me, it has rapturing faith, but I believe there's got to be something that strikes us to where it struck Enoch, and he realized, wow, this is it. And he walked right off the face of the earth. All those steps he took never took him off the earth, but one day he took a step and took him off the earth. Full strength. Full strength. You think about that, full strength. And here's Brother Bram looking at it and saying, this is it. This is what God intended to open up in the last day. But there's got to come a manifestation of that. There's got to come a reality of that. And that hasn't happened yet. Because we're still here. If we weren't still here, it'd be a different thing. Know you more than I ever have before. You're so easy, Lord. I want to know you more. Sing it again now, Lord. I want to love you more than I ever. Have before you're so easy to adore, Lord. I want to love you more, and Lord, I want to know you more than I ever have before. You're so easy to adore Lord I want to know you more and Lord I want to serve you more than I ever have before you're so easy to adore Lord I want to serve you more. First verse, sing it again, now make it your prayer. Lord, I want to love you more than I ever
never have before. You're so easy to adore. Lord, I want to love you Lord Jesus, we want to love you with all of our heart. Not part of our heart, but all of our heart. In how we speak and how we react to your word. Lord, how we conduct our daily lives and how we wear our clothing. and How we speak to one another, Lord. How we show respects where respect should be shown. In the name of Jesus Christ, I commit the people into your hands, Lord. And I pray that in some way, Lord, the word would just stir in our hearts in a, in a greater way, in a more powerful way. That, Lord, we become disconnected and disassociated with this world. I believe, Lord, that it's going to come to a place where every step will be a chore in this dimension. Father, we will one day take that last step into your domain. I pray, dear God, that you would stir that in us, Lord. And if it means, oh God, that you have to make things brighter, that, Lord, you have to just turn up the intensity of your light, Lord, I just ask that you would do that in our hearts, Lord. Father, we long for the day. We, we yearn for the day. We believe, Lord, that that's your purpose, to catch up people away, Lord, because they're so, they've, they've found that true light, and they love it with all of their heart. Lord Jesus, I know your people Lord, who have been elected, Lord, they, they don't love the darkness anymore. They love your light. And in Jesus' name, I commit them to you. I pray also, Lord, for those who are sick. And there are many. There are some, Lord, that are in mourning. I pray that you would comfort them. Lord, I, I think of my own family, Lord. And God, the many needs that are represented among us as a church. Lord Jesus, there are concerns, Lord, in many, many assemblies around the world. Because we still live in these fallen bodies and we still live in difficult predicaments. But we just want to say, Lord, that we want to know you more. and We want to open our hearts and minds and not be biased and not be prejudiced about things. And Lord, we, we just don't want to listen to our own favorite preachers. We, we want to hear your word. Wherever it's, wherever it's spoken, Lord, we want to hear your word. And Lord, may it May it find good ground. I commit the people to you, Lord. I commit our every need to you today. I commit our church to you. I commit our future to you. In Jesus' name, for your glory. Amen. And amen. And Lord, I want to serve you more than I ever have for you're so easy to adore Lord I want to serve you more and Lord I want to know you more than I ever have before so easy to adore Sing this as you go tonight God bless you Falling in love with Jesus
my Jesus, the best thing I've ever In his arms I feel protected In his arms never disconnected No place I'd ever rather be Falling in love with Jesus. 